It's time for the benediction. <laughs> no, I'm actually serious. It, it's time for the benediction. I know some of you are saying, wait a second, though. I got this nice bulletin that Clay Lester designed and that Kim Foltz ran off and folded and brought over here, and we haven't done everything on this board bulletin yet in the order of worship. For instance, we haven't had a sermon yet. Wait a minute. Could we be so lucky? No sermon? <laughs> and somebody says, we haven't had communion yet either, and there's no disciple church that would ever have worship and not have communion. And we haven't had an offering yet, and there's no preacher that would let a worship service go by and not have an offering. They're always asking for money. I hear you. You say you've looked through the bulletin, and we haven't had everything in the bulletin yet, but I want to tell you, we have. We've had everything in the order of worship except for the benediction. For instance, we've had the prelude. I'm not talking about the music that Michael plays on the show Walter Carroll on leading up to the beginning of worship. When I talk about the prelude, I'm talking about the time leading up to my being called to come and serve as your pastor, which began back in 2013 when Jenny was diagnosed with her cancer. And while she was undergoing surgery, my son Will and I were having lunch, and Will said to me, Dad, how much longer are you and Mom going to be at Cool Water, the church that we started in Arizona? And then he added, I think you and Mom have one more church in you, which I took as permission and mandate of the Holy Spirit to be open to a new call from God. That same year, I was at a retreat for prayer with four of my very dearest colleagues at the Franciscan Renewal Center in Phoenix, Arizona. Kim and Dawn and Bob and Gary were all there in 2013. They're all here this morning. And one night during that week, it was past Kim's bedtime. She'd gone to bed. Dawn and Bob and Gary and I, standing out by the Portiancula, and the conversation turned to, where should Shiree go next? And Bob Hill said, you know, I think Michael Moody is retiring at the end of this year from Central in Lexington. And Gary said, Central, hmm. And we kicked it around for a bit, and I think I kicked it out by saying they wouldn't be interested in me. And Dawn, I think, added, not happening. <laughs> but that night, as I was walking back to my room, a shooting star broke over Camelback Mountain. A silent, celestial exclamation mark at the end of a conversation with my deepest prayer partners during which Central Christian Lexington was named 
for the first time. We've had the prelude to this ministry, all right? And the Holy Spirit of the living God guided and directed it all the way. And so I want to tell you, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust your search committee. Be in prayer as the prelude commences now for my successor. We've had the prelude. We've had the call to worship too. How many times have we been called to worship over these eight years? 419 Sundays by my count, which, listen to this, is almost the exact same number of Sundays that the Shirey family and the Cool Water crew set up and took down tables and chairs in Desert Sun Elementary School cafeteria in Phoenix, Arizona during our years there. I want to say this morning to my son Will and Cassie and Hayden and Blair who are watching in Phoenix and to my daughters Betsy and Laura, thank you not just for putting up and taking down chairs, not just putting up with your parents' ministry over the years, but how in your growing up years, you gave up yourselves willingly, wholeheartedly to all of our ministries. And your mother and I are so deeply proud of each one of you. And above all else, that all three of you and your spouses have a living faith that is burning within you. What joy that gives your mother. And I am speaking of joy. All oh, the joy that I have had in worshiping with all of you for these past eight years. I haven't been able to eat breakfast for 40 years on Sunday morning. All of you preachers, you know this, right? Sunday morning, butterflies, adrenaline, expectation, anticipation. Oh my goodness. My dear brother in Christ, Eve Calbert, out in Phoenix, Arizona, we used to have prayer together before we walked out into the cafeteria for our morning worship. And Eve would always close that prayer by saying to me, what's the Lord going to do today, pastor? And I'd say, I don't know, Eve, but let's go see. Elizabeth and Michael, I want to say to both of you, my dear sister and brother, that to come alongside you for these eight years and lead worship has been something I've never taken for granted. You too, as my dear friend Gary would say, have delivered the mail every single Sunday. And if I could borrow from the Presbyterian ordination vows, you've done it with imagination and energy and intelligence and love and I will love you too with all my heart for the rest of my life for the joy that you've given me in leading worship. We've been called to worship 419 times. We've answered the bell with bells on. We've had the call to worship. We've had music and all the hymns. Hymn of praise. Hymn of faith. Hymn of communion. Hymn of mission anthems, special music. Paul wrote, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Check, check, and check. We've had everything from Bach to bluegrass and everything in between. 
And with a choir like this behind me, how can I keep from singing? Right? And you know I have usually off pitch and off beat, but so what? The psalmist said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I've done that unabashedly and unapologetically throughout this time. I'm mindful of words that I saw on a tombstone back in 1997 when Jenny and I were on our first sabbatical. And the epitaph on that tombstone read, I've had pleasure enough. I've had singing. We've had singing. Choir, you've had my back, literally, throughout these years. Sometimes I feel like an oscillating fan, just going back and forth so that I could connect with them. And we have connected. The spoken word linked with the sung word to proclaim the living word of God. We've done it. UK singers, you stood with me and led worship during those long months of COVID, and we formed a bond that will never break. Blessed be the tie that binds. Michael and Grant, you have been a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Have we had music? We've had music. We've had announcements. Now, don't you say, oh, announcements, 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 terrible death to die. No, don't sing that camp song. We've had it. Don't downplay announcements. Announcements were words that Elizabeth and I spoke that became flesh in occasions for worship and service and study and fellowship. Meetings were, were announced too. And don't say, look down your nose at meetings. Meetings aren't busy work. Meetings are the Lord's work imagined and visioned and strategized and planned. We had meetings where we planned the Lord's work. And then we worked the plan, and we've now tasted the sweet fruits of everything that have come to fruition as a result of those announcements. We've had the announcements. We've had the prayers, have we not? Pastoral prayers. Elizabeth's eloquence. Capacity to bring our hearts before God. Thank you. Elders' prayers for bread and cup. Prayer at the conclusion of communion. Dedicatory prayer for the offering. We've had prayer during the months, that's plural, of my conversation with the search committee of Central Christian Church. I called Don Shutt, my dear spiritual godfather, the Don. I said, Don, right back there behind John Tackett. The John's tackets back there. I said, Don, I need you to do me a favor. What is it, Dave? I want you to drive down from Indianapolis to Lexington midweek. Find your way into the sanctuary. Just tell them you're here for, to look at the architecture. And when you get inside, I just want you to sit in that sanctuary and I want you to pray. And then I want you to tell me how it is to pray there. 
And Don did as told, drove down from Indy to Lexington, got in, prayed, and he called me back, and he said, uh, David, thumbs up. You will be able to pray there. That is a sweet, sacred space. The Holy Spirit of the living God is in that place. You can pray there. We've had prayer. Prayer at staff meetings on Monday, every single Monday led by Elizabeth. Prayer midday on Tuesday that Elizabeth leads online. Prayer at the end of every choir practice on Thursday nights. Throughout the week, I get uh, phone calls with voice messages from a certain special someone. Hi, boss. It's your prayer deacon checking in with you. How can I pray for your boss? Linda Sutherland, from day one to today, day 2837, calls me throughout the week. Hi, boss. It's your prayer deacon. How can I pray for you and the church? I want you to hear me very clearly when I say that the primary business of God's people is prayer. Everything is born, nurtured, directed, motivated, sustained, shaped, chastened, redeemed, and finally brought to fruition by the practice of fervent prayer. Linda, this is your boss. Keep praying, my sister. And you all, keep praying. We've had prayer. We've had children's time. Oh my goodness. I heard a child psychologist say one time that for a child to grow up with a sense of self-esteem that is healthy and grounds them for life, they need to hear at least seven other adults besides their parents and guardians call them by name during the week. And so I've counted upon myself to be one of those adults and try whenever I see the children and youth of Central Christian Church to call them by name, to call them by name, to invite them to come up front for the children's time, to call them forth with Pastor Elizabeth, to stand with Elizabeth and create personal blessings for the infants and toddlers that are blessed in our midst, to have pastor's classes alongside Anne Tall and Pastor Elizabeth, and then to have the unspeakable privilege of standing waist deep in the waters of the baptistry as Elizabeth and I baptize a new generation of young disciples of Jesus Christ, leading the youth gathering this year alongside Steve Pruitt and Amy Kate and Will and Dee. I'm genuinely excited about the person that is going to be brought forth to you in the next weeks as a candidate for the minister of faith formation. This is someone with a contagious enthusiasm. And listen, someone who has a journey of faith that is marked by courage and conviction and commitment, a faith that is so worth sharing 
with our children, our youth, and our adults. We've had the children's time. And boy, have we had sermons. Sheesh, we've had sermons. 419, but keep in mind, poor Michael and Grant and Elizabeth and Jenny have had to listen to two every week. They have to sit through a double header every single Sunday. I'm sure you remember every one of them. Not. But I'm not the least bit concerned about what you may remember about any particular sermon as much as I hope that the whole string of them, the cumulative effect, has, has been somehow mysteriously, but somehow surely, a force for good and for God. I remember the late Joey Jeter, professor of preaching at Bright Divinity School, Texas Christian University, who once said, preaching is not a blitzkrieg, it's a siege. And what he means by that, of course, is that the work of, of God's Word in our lives doesn't take place all at once in one 17-minute spiel from a pulpit. Rather, it does its work slowly but surely over time. Tehard de Chardin, great Ignatian soul, great Ignatian soul said, trust in the slow work of God. I do. And I have. And for the last eight years, whether you know it or not, I've been intentionally laying siege to you with messages from all across the pages of Scripture proclaiming a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, the following of whose Son, Jesus Christ, makes for life at its fullest and richest and deepest, whose Holy Spirit is capable of changing hearts and lives and relationships and, yes, social structures and cities and nations and, and the whole world. Lauren Winner wrote, What if our job as preachers is just to love the scriptures in public. We've had the sermons and we've had communion and whenever Elizabeth offers an invitation to the table, she whets my appetite for the bread and the cup and when our elders pray, they've always beckoned me deeper in my reverence for the majesty and the mystery of communion at the Lord's table, but words fail. It's the psalmist who says, taste and see. The Lord is good, and we have, and God is. We've had communion, and oh, we've had the offering. We've had offerings galore. Capital campaign, debt retired. Can I get an amen for that? organ campaign, fabulous new instrument on the way next spring. Amen to that? All the ways we've offered ourselves in acts of mercy and the doing of justice, we've had offerings, my goodness, of food and socks and pajamas and backpacks and offerings for children in transition. We've built habitat houses 
numbering in the 30s with another one that's under construction right now with our larger church family, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. We've had offerings for the Disciple Mission Fund so that we can do ministry with our sister congregations across the Commonwealth and indeed around this world. Through our offerings to Week of Compassion, we're on the ground and present when there are disasters or refugee needs or development opportunities. Offerings, our office, property, and hospitality staff have offered themselves with courtesy, availability, and excellence. Talking about Kim Foltz and the Cindy's, Minor and Adlish, and Gary, and Carl, and Clay, and Kim, and Adam, and Amy, all under Molly Sawyer's incredible leadership. Molly, you're the best. You're the best. We've offered, above all else, our welcome statement, and we mean it. All, everybody, is welcome here to join us in offering God's expansive love from our doorsteps to the ends of the earth. And Jenny, you have offered yourself to the churches that we have served in ways beyond measure at my side, serving together. I will love and cherish you as long as we both shall live as we prepare to offer ourselves anew to what God may call us to next. We've had offerings. We've had the invitation. And 212 souls have joined this church in these past eight years. And you all have blessed my life and this church immensely. But I want to say something now. To all of you that have joined this church during my tenure as minister, listen. You did not join a person. You joined a congregation whose head is Jesus Christ and you honor me if you recommit yourself today to Him and to this church that has served Him faithfully for 206 years and will continue to serve Him in the years to come. Are you hearing me now? We've had everything in the call to worship. And so after communion and, and the offering and an anthem and our singing of Be Thou My Vision, it'll be time for the benediction. And somebody say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We haven't had scripture yet. And you're right. We haven't. And so here's the scripture from Paul's letter to the Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, in every prayer of mine, for you making my prayer with joy. And I'm thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let all God's people say,